Well, a few weeks ago, we started a new series, and that is entitled Kingdom Culture, Seven Ways to Live Blessed. And if you were with us, you, you saw how we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. And tonight, we are looking at blessed are the meek. But before we jump into kind of honing in on the third blessing or the third beatitude here in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, this is the very beginning section of his sermon, we need to kind of unpack again very quickly what the word blessing here means. Because we hear the word blessed, we talked about it last week, many of you used the hashtag blessed, and so we need to kind of say what is Jesus saying here when he uses the word blessed? Because it isn't the ascribing of praise, and it isn't simply just the receiving of something uh, unmerited or unexpected. What Jesus is saying here, when he uses the word blessed, it's, it's more closely associated with the very prominent Old Testament word, which is shalom. And that word means peace. It's how we translate it. But really, its rich definition is broader than that. The definition for shalom is really fulfillment and wholeness and completion and flourishing And so when Jesus here speaks about blessing, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, he's saying that when you follow the culture of his kingdom, when you see these values become true of who you are, you're going to find blessing. And what that means is you're going to find happiness and flourishing and completion and wholeness. The very things that we live our life seeking after but we follow after other cultural values that aren't the same that we see here. And so it's important for us to reorient ourselves and to say, okay, Jesus, what are the things that you describe as blessed, that you describe as leading to happiness and and flourishing? And one of the things that we saw here is that the way that this is divided in, in this section called the Beatitudes is at the very beginning of each line. So if you look in your worship program now, the very beginning of each line is what is lived out. That's your responsibility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. And the second half of the verse is what is poured out. This is God's action. This is not up to you. This is not something you can manufacture. So when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, this is poured out on the poor in spirit. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven, relationship with God eternal. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This comfort comes from God as he comes through the Holy Spirit to comfort you and to remind you of your your safety in his arms, of your forgiveness, of your love, despite your struggles and your failures. And then tonight, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit The earth, this is also poured out by God. So it's important that we kind of take a moment and we break down how this works. And so the blessings are both lived out and they're also poured out. And so tonight we're looking at blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I don't know why, but when I hear the word meek, I think meek like a mouse. I don't know why. Uh, Or moose, but those don't really go hand in hand. But for some reason, the word meek associates with a mouse or a moose for me. I think that's because I don't really know what meekness is. It's not like a term we use a lot, right? When I think of meekness, I think shy, kind of like hiding in the corner, very gentle, very mild, you know, doesn't want to rock the boat. This is the, the dictionary definition, our modern definition of meekness is this. A person who is willing to go along with whatever other people want to do. Meekness is a person who is willing to go along with whatever other people want to do. Essentially, what our modern definition of meekness means is that you're a doormat. 
right? You don't really have an opinion or you don't share your opinion because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to mess things up. You just kind of go along with the masses. You go along with the crowd. You just kind of fit in. And, and so it makes sense why we don't use this term a lot because it isn't something that we value, right? We value as a culture open-mindedness, but we don't value spinelessness. We value holding to your convictions and sharing your convictions, and we value competition, and we value all of these things that seem to go completely against meekness. You know, you may be willing to be meek in regards to choosing like your lunch destination because you're starving and you'll eat anywhere. You're like, I'll just agree with whatever. Like, just choose, please, I'm being meek. You know, like, let's go. But if it's anything significant, if meekness is really just the person who goes along with whatever and is, doesn't rock the boat, doesn't share their opinions. It's not something that you want, right? It's not something that you want to be. Have, have you ever even heard somebody described as meek? I don't, I don't think I have. Like I've never even, I don't even think I've ever heard anybody ever even use that word outside of church or reading it in the Bible. Meekness is not a value that we promote. I think if the modern definition of meekness is what you come to understand, then meekness is the person that shows up for the party, but you don't really know if they were there, right? Like, were they there? I don't know. I think I saw them, but I don't know. They were just kind of like in the back. They're hiding in the corner. They're so gentle and mild. You know, maybe they were there. Meekness is the person that you want to be friends with because you can share all of your controversial opinions and belief, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. You know, and then they'll go do the same thing with the next person because they just agree with everything. Meekness is the person, I know this is some of you here, that likes every single movie, you know? It's like, yeah, Great Wall starring Matt Damon, 10 out of 10. Amazing. Emoji movie, stunning. Absolutely amazing. Pacific Rim, innovative. Outstanding. You don't want to rock the boat. You just agree with everything. Everything's wonderful. Everything's great. But Jesus' definition of meekness is completely different than our modern definition of meekness. Meekness, as Jesus speaks about it here, is not the person that has no opinions and just kind of hides in the corner and is quiet and gentle and shy and doesn't rock the boat. Meekness is strength. It is compatible with power and with authority and with competition and with drive and with hard work and all the things that we do value as a culture. Jesus himself is described as meek. And Jesus certainly is not weak, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people want to paint or imagine Jesus as like kind of having like a half smile, holding a lamb, you know, like, hi, I'm Jesus, like really nice. But like Jesus was a rebel. Jesus was sharing truth that was anti-establishment. He was sharing and revealing truth, and you see this in his Sermon on the Mount that is not easily accepted and not widely accepted, so much so that it eventually gets him killed. Jesus walks into the temple that's supposed to be a house of prayer, and he describes it as a den of robbers. And he's not like, well, I don't want to rock the boat. That's cool. Like, you keep doing that. I'm just going to head out this way. No, like, he flips the tables over, and he takes whips and starts whipping people out of the temple. But he's described as meek. Jesus holds true to his convictions and to what he is on a mission to teach and to reveal to the world. He doesn't shy away. He's so focused and driven on his mission that no one and nothing is going to deter him. 
to the point that he is brought all the way to the end of his life as we're going to be celebrating soon during Holy Week where he is tortured and beaten and humiliated. And he goes to death on a cross because this is his mission. Jesus is the epitome of strength. And yet he's described as meek. Meekness is not weakness. It is not the person that just hides in the shadows and has no opinion and has no thoughts. Jesus is the perfect example and the ultimate example of meekness. But the question for for us is, okay, what does it mean for us to be meek? Martin Lloyd-Jones, a very influential British pastor, he describes meekness well. He says, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself. It's expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. It is therefore two things. It is my attitude towards myself, and it is an expression of that in my relationship with others. Jesus, as a perfect example of meekness, knows who he is. He is not shy to share that he is God in the flesh, that he is Son of God, that he is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And that comes out in the way that he expresses himself to others, how he treats others. He recognizes that the people that he's going to interact with are not God in the flesh. They are not perfect. And so he's gentle and he's kind and he's merciful and he's loving. But see, for us, we are not perfect. It doesn't take about two seconds to recognize that you're not perfect, to do a little self-inventory. You're like, nope, not even close. So what does it look like for us to be meek, to have a true assessment of yourself that expresses itself appropriately and rightly in attitude and conduct with others? And one of the things that we see all throughout the Beatitudes, and we've, we've said before, is that they go in order. The progression is really important because if, if you don't start with the first Beatitude and you don't find that take root in your heart and your mind and see that true of yourself, then meekness is going to be impossible. If you don't see yourself as poor in spirit, if you don't recognize that you're spiritually bankrupt, which means You have nothing to offer God. You cannot earn God's love. You cannot earn his forgiveness. You cannot be like 51% good. You can't be religious enough. You can't do enough good works. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're broken. And the only response is to receive the free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The poor in spirit, the ones that recognize they're spiritually bankrupt, receive the blessing of inheriting the kingdom of God, of being in relationship with God both now and forever. And the next step from that is that you begin to mourn, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And mourning is focused on mourning over your sin and its consequences. So if you're poor in spirit, if you recognize you're spiritually bankrupt and that you're broken and you can't offer God your good works, but then you start to look inside and you say, wow, like, I am flawed. I am failed in many ways. I'm broken, and I recognize that I have sin where I've rejected the things that God desires of me, and so I'm going to spend some time actually mourning over that. What have I done to myself and to others? And you find comfort there, but the first two Beatitudes are are very much internal. They're very much individual. It's recognizing your spiritual bankruptcy and mourning over your sin and its consequences, and here with meekness, it turns outward. So the progression goes that as you recognize that you're poor in spirit, you begin to mourn over your sin and its consequences, it begins to give you a right view of yourself so that you can be meek, that you can appropriately respond to others in attitude and conduct by being 
meek. So if we look more closely at the third uh, blessing here, meekness is first this. It is allowing someone to point the flashlight at your darkness and responding with agreement or openness. You may have been tracking in the first two blessings because they're individual. You're like, yes, I can recognize that I'm spiritually bankrupt and I know that I have nothing to offer God. I can mourn over my sin and its consequences, but if meekness means allowing other people to point out my brokenness and the things that I'm hiding in the dark for a reason, that's much more difficult. It is much more difficult to allow other people to point out your flaws and your failures and your brokenness and your mistakes. You know, our image can so easily become our identity, right? We're so worried about our image because our identity can so easily be wrapped up in the way that other people view you. And so your value comes in other people regarding you as valuable. Your worth comes in your professional and your relational success that other people see and then validate your worth. Your significance comes in your goodness that other people see. And what happens is, is that your identity now is connected to your image and so meekness is so hard to see take root in your life because you don't want anyone to point a flashlight at you to see any of your darkness because when they do, it's an attack on your value and your worth and your significance because that's your identity. It's wrapped up in your image. This has to be one of the greatest curses of the human race is that we are so sensitive about ourselves. We waste so much time on self-pity. We waste so much time on trying to protect our spotless image. We waste so much time trying to defend ourselves and justify ourselves and protect ourselves. We spend so much time promoting ourselves and trying to tell everybody around us, look at me. Like, I'm great. I'm valuable. I'm, I'm worth something, right? Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. Look how I act because we've attached our identity to our image. And so we don't want anyone to see anything in the darkness. Just see all the stuff I want you to see. And this is where pride creeps in, right? Because pride is really just defending your image that has become your identity. And that's why you boast, that's why you share, that's why you want everyone to see. I mean, just take a quick thought about what are the things that you post on Instagram and why? What are you trying to tell people? What do you want people to see about you? So they validate something in you, right? We all do it. And so what happens is because our identity and our image become intertwined, when someone comes to you, when someone comes to me, this is true of me, and they want to critique, they want to criticize, they want to rebuke, they want to challenge something in me, what is the natural response? It's defensiveness, right? It's to protect yourself. Because they're attacking not just your image, but they're attacking your identity. And it doesn't matter how people come and address you. It doesn't matter if they're very gentle and they're thoughtful. They've been thinking about it. Maybe they even wrote it out. And then they share with you something that you did that affected them or something that maybe they think that you need to hear because you're not noticing. 
doesn't matter if they come gently or if they're harsh. The natural inclination is to defend. It's to be like this, right? Someone comes to you and they're like, hey, you know, Carter, I want to tell you something. You're not going to want to hear it, but you need to hear it. The, the natural response is to be like, excuse me, do you know who you are? Like, do you know your stuff? Like, don't come at me with that. Or you start saying, oh, listen, let me explain to you how that happened and why that happened. Or you begin to say something like, listen, okay, I, I got it. Yeah, but I'm not nearly as bad as, so you know what they're doing? Like, I'm going to deflect. It's, they're way worse than me. You don't really get it, right? You don't really get why I'm acting like this. You don't really get why I did that. Why don't you go address yourself, deal with your own stuff? Like, come on, you're a mess. Don't bring it here. Or maybe you're not as confrontational, so here's your response when someone comes to you and they want to point a flashlight at your darkness. You're like, okay. You know, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you so much. Like, you know, keep going. Like, we're so defensive. And we try to protect ourselves and our image and meekness does not bother with self-promotion and defensiveness. Meekness instead responds to critique and criticism and rebuke and challenge with either agreement or openness. So meekness responds like this. Someone comes to you and they're going to point the flashlight at your darkness that you don't want people to see and you're pretty embarrassed about. Or maybe it's some of the darkness you're not even aware of. And meekness responds by saying, you're right. Yeah, like I own that. That's a struggle for me. That's really hard for me. I didn't even see that. I'm so sorry. Like if, if, that, if I hurt you, it responds with agreement or meekness responds with openness, right? Sometimes people will come to you and they'll share something to you that you don't maybe agree with. Has that happened before? Where someone's gonna share something to you and point something out and you don't agree with them. And that's when you really get defensive because you start to, to really justify. But meekness says, well, listen, I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't see that, but I want to listen. Like, can, ex explain it. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm open to hear what you're going to say. Even if at the first glance and the first thought, I don't agree you see, meekness does not bother with defensiveness and self-promotion. Why? Because meekness is having a right view of yourself. See, when you're meek, you understand that you are capable of destructive tendencies. You are capable of many different things because you're broken, because you're flawed, because you're going to make mistakes. Some of them you're aware of and some of them you're not aware of. And so when someone points a flashlight at you to reveal your darkness and your flaws and your failures, you respond with agreement or openness as a person that is meek because you know yourself. You know that it's probably true of you or it could be true of you. Which means that meekness also is not only responding with agreement and openness, but meekness doesn't respond with retaliation and revenge. When someone points something out, you don't respond with revenge and with retaliation or to point something back out in them. As like it's this eye for an eye. Meekness turns the other cheek. Because you have a right and honest view of yourself. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this 
you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Peter's listening to this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying here, don't, don't respond. Don't seek revenge. Don't respond evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Don't look to retaliate. Instead, bless, because you're going to obtain a blessing. You're going to find fullness and flourishing and, and wholeness and all the things that Jesus speaks about when you're meek, when you have an honest view of yourself, and you can agree or you can respond with openness and not have this urge to retaliate or to point something back out in that person so that they feel the same way that you feel. But meekness isn't only responding to somebody pointing a flashlight at your darkness with openness or agreement, but meekness is also trusting in God's plan, which means meekness isn't entitled. It's really important to say this here, right? When you're saying that meekness is trusting in God's plan, it does not mean that meekness is opposed to being goal-oriented or hardworking or driven. It's not what you think in your modern definition of meekness, of like the really coy, the really shy, the person in the corner has no convictions, they're not really driven, they're not really motivated, they're just kind of existing. Meekness is not opposed to drive and hard work and seeking after goals and dreams. Meekness is concerned with who gets the credit for your success and who's to blame for the failures and setbacks. Because meekness is trusting in God's plan. Joseph, as we just studied and went through in our, our previous sermon series that was entitled Overcome, is a great example of meekness. Joseph, when he's 17 years old, is given a dream by God, and the dream is exciting. The dream is that he's going to be successful, he's going to be powerful, and he's going to have authority. And then shortly after God gives him this dream, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. And to make matters worse, he's not only sold into slavery, but he's removed from his homeland and he's sent to Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, after being enslaved for a period of time, he's then sent to prison. You can imagine what Joseph is thinking, right? He's, God has given him a dream that's exciting, success, power, authority. And he's probably wondering, how in the world is this going to happen, God? I'm enslaved, I'm in Egypt, and now I'm in prison, and yet in the story, Joseph never, ever, ever blames God for his circumstances. Never once. In fact, it tells us that God is with him. And as this is all unfolding, 10 plus years go by, and ultimately, Joseph arrives at that position, that position of success and power and authority as the second most influential person in all of Egypt next to Pharaoh. And you see in the interactions that come to the surface after with his family, when he's reunited with them after 10 plus years, you see that Joseph had trusted in God's plan the entire time. Because here's what happens. When he's reunited with his brothers who sold him into slavery, he doesn't seek revenge and he doesn't retaliate. And here's what he doesn't do as well. He doesn't say, listen, this is really hard for me. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to be merciful, but you need to recognize how merciful I am. You need to recognize that this is some incredible forgiveness that I'm doing here. He never turns the attention to himself, and he never even points it at them. All of his conversations are about God. 
He says time and time and time again that what you meant for evil, God used for good. He's reiterating to his family and to everybody around that this was God's plan, that this is how God chose to work. You see, Joseph trusted in God's plan even when the circumstances were not going according to his plan. He trusted God throughout all of it because he was meek. And then when success came, he didn't take all of the glory for himself and said he gave the credit to God. See, meekness is important to not only have a right view of yourself, but it's important that you have a right view of God as well. That you understand not only who you are and what you're capable of so that you can receive criticism and rebuke and challenge with agreement or openness and not seek retaliation, but you can also trust in God's plan because you have a right view of God as well and who he is, that he is faithful, that he is good, that even when your circumstances are not going the way that you want them to, and there's so many setbacks and you can't see a way forward, that you can still trust God's plan and not blame him or not blame others or not blame yourself, but you can trust. Psalm 37 describes this aspect of meekness. It says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. But the meek shall inherit land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In summary, the way that you live out meekness is that you respond to somebody pointing the flashlight at your darkness and your failures and your flaws with agreement or openness and not retaliation. And you trust in God's plan even when the circumstances are not going according to your plan. And you give God the credit when success and prosperity comes. But the question is, okay, if that's what's lived out, what's poured out, What is the promise that God gives to the meek? Or there's two of them. One is the blessing, and that's the promise of happiness and of flourishing, right? Having a right view of yourself and not attaching your identity to your image is going to bring happiness and flourishing. Being capable of receiving rebuke and criticism with agreement or with openness and not seeking retaliation is going to bring flourishing and happiness. Trusting in God's plan, even when you're facing setbacks and giving him the credit and the glory in your success is going to bring happiness and flourishing. It's the blessing that is poured out over you as meekness becomes true of your character and of your life as you live it out. But the second aspect that is poured out, the second part of the blessing that is poured out is future looking. What is poured out is a future assurance. It says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Does that mean that if you're meek, you're going to dominate everything? Does it mean that you're going to be, hey, I want to be a CEO? Fine, I'll be meek, you know? I want to rule the city. I'm going to be meek. Like, it's not that. The meek shall inherit the earth. It is an assurance of what is afforded you and what is awaiting you eternally. The Apostle Paul says this. It's such a profound statement. He says, 
All things are already yours. It's already yours. The meek shall inherit the earth. It is already yours. What is to come and what is assured in Jesus' kingdom for the poor in spirit, those that are mourn and those that are meek, it is already yours. Jesus' kingdom is yours so you can rest and you can receive criticism and you can trust in God's plan because you know that he is working in your life and he's working for you and for your good. This is the assurance that is poured out over the meek and it can afford you the ability to be meek. Warren Weiserby, an American pastor, I think says it so well. He says that meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control. There is great power in not attaching your identity to your image. There is great power in allowing other people to point out your flaws and your mistakes and your failures. It's going to bring flourishing. It's going to bring happiness. There is great power in trusting God's plan regardless of what you're facing. And there is great power in knowing that all things are already yours. So you can take risks. You can relax. You can rest knowing that God is working for you in your life and there is something incredible awaiting you. But there's only one problem, and it's a pretty big problem, and that's this. You and me do not have the power to be meek. That's the problem. It's like all of this is great, but like don't have the power to be meek because when we're honest with ourselves, we know our natural tendency is to be defensive and to promote ourselves, and to protect ourselves, and to hide the darkness, and not let anyone see it, and don't let anyone ever point it out, and justify your behavior. That's my natural tendency, and that's your natural tendency. And this is why meekness is so difficult to find it take root and shape in your life, because it's not our nature. Our nature is meanness, not meekness. It's meanness. It's all about me. It's not meekness. So how do you find the power to be meek? How do you see this take root and shape in your life? Well, it has nothing to do with your ability and your power and your focus and your discipline and your hard work because that's just meanness seeking meekness and it's never going to work. But we want it to involve us, right? Here's the point in the sermon where you want me to give you three things, right? You want me to tell you three steps. I want three steps for myself. I want to know what are the things I need to go do now so that I can start being meek and finding all these blessings and this flourishing and this happiness and this assurance. What do I got to do, Carter? Give me the action points. Give me the takeaway. It's what we want. See, the good news is that you are involved, right? The blessings are lived out. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to begin to See meekness take root in your life by responding well to criticism and rebuke with agreement or openness and trusting in God's plan. But the bad news is this. You may be meek for a day. Like after you hear a sermon on meekness, tomorrow you may be meek. Tuesday, maybe not. Maybe if you really focus for a week. But if we don't talk about meekness again next week, you know, sorry, you're going to lose it. You don't have the power and I don't have the power. So how do you see meanness replaced by meekness? How does it take shape in your life? Well, 
it takes shape in your life by recognizing and receiving the power that has already been poured out to you, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this. He says, if you love me, if you love me, then I will give you an advocate and helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. If you love me, I will give you an advocate and a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. And those words are important. The Holy Spirit is an advocate and a helper. He will advocate for Jesus' kingdom culture. He will advocate for meekness, not meanness. He will advocate for being open and agreeing with criticism when appropriate. He will advocate for trusting in God's plan. And he will help. He will bring power and strength to see meekness take root in your life. And maybe you struggle with what does it mean to rely on the Holy Spirit. You hear that, you're like, okay, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to do there. Hopefully it just happens. It's really simple. First, meditate on God's word. The Holy Spirit speaks in and through God's word. He confirms God's word. He teaches and illuminates God's word in your heart and your mind. So to rely on the Holy Spirit is to meditate and spend time in God's word, not just on Sunday night, but on your own. To read it and to wrestle with it and ask questions. And secondly, to pray to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. It's a third person of the Trinity. It's a third person of God. It is alive and active inside of you, guiding and directing and challenging and convicting and encouraging you. And so often, if you're like me, here's how your prayers go. You have like bullet points and you just pray through the bullet points and then you're done and you feel like you did the right thing. You're good, right? When we pray to the Holy Spirit and we rely on the Holy Spirit, you take time to listen to the Holy Spirit to have a conversation. Like conversations are where you talk and you receive. And so when you pray to the Holy Spirit, when you ask for help, when you ask for him to advocate for the truth of God's word in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, that you might start to live out meekness, we need to give some space, some time to pray and then like just be quiet and just listen. You're like, Carter, that's weird. No, I'm telling you. Just pray and listen and ask the Holy Spirit to teach and confirm and encourage you. And many of you are probably thinking this right now, like, Carter, okay, but I don't understand how me relinquishing power and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is going to make a change in my life. Like, it's not going to happen just mysteriously like that. Well, actually, it is. Actually, it is. The Holy Spirit The third person of the Trinity is alive and active in you if you trust and faith in Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus, he has given you the advocate and the helper to be with you forever. And yes, you are involved in being meek. It is important to recognize that you have responsibility to live out meekness by the many ways that we've talked about. But the power, the motivating factor behind you being meek is not your own power. It's relying on the Holy Spirit to advocate and to help you, to help you to agree with criticism and to be open and to trust God's plan, to not seek retaliation. You see, if you want meekness and you want to find the blessing and the promise that Jesus tells you, if you want meekness, you have to stop focusing on meanness. And start to rely on the Holy Spirit who will be your advocate and your help. 
Would you pray with me?